by God's Spirit. If you have your Bibles, I want to turn to a familiar passage of Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, we're going to read verse, verses 15 through 17. And uh, I'm thankful for the Word of God that can be our anchor in times of difficulty and storm. Also can give direction to us when things are going good or when they're going bad. And I'm thankful for God's holy word. We want to uh, also mention that if um, uh, some of you, ladies in particular, would like to just stop by the house and encourage Ingrid and the, and the girls, um, that would be beautiful if you could do that sometime this week. And if you need the address, uh, we can uh, get that for you. Also, uh, we're excited that uh, Sister Veronica Steele is here with us today. God bless you, Veronica. Amen. We certainly miss the Steele family, and we got to see Audrey a few weeks ago. And uh, Veronica's here visiting with her mother, who's gone through a surgery, but we're so glad to see her. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, the Bible says, uh, this is the Apostle Paul teaching his son in the gospel, Timothy, about the importance of the Bible, about the importance of the Word of God. It says, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect the word there is complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Amen. How many are thankful for the word of the Lord? It's powerful. It's useful. Amen. Before we uh, say our prayer right now and uh, go into the word of the Lord, we'd like to dismiss our middle school or junior high age kids to their class. Uh, they're welcome to leave at this time. And um, what I have here is uh, an old Bible. I've shown it to the congregation at one point. This is uh, a Bible that, um, one of the three Bibles that my dad used and wore out during his time of ministry. This was the Bible that he used when I was a, a boy. In fact, this is the Bible, that little story here. I got in trouble because of this Bible. Um, my parents looked over and I was a, little boy, I don't know, maybe five, four or five years of age, and this Bible was uh, sitting on a chair, and I was standing on the Bible, and I was singing, the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me, I stand upon the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, and uh, they're like, well, that's cute, but you don't stand on the Bible, and, uh, but this, this book has, uh, from the time I was a child, has just been a part of my life, and then, of course, um, when I was 12 years old, my dad gave me my first Thompson Chain study Bible. The Word of God is just foundational to our lives. And I want us to pray right now that, that today in the next few moments that we would learn again to trust the Word of God. That's the title today is to trust the Word of God. There are many forces against this concept of putting our confidence and trust in the Word of God. But I believe it's God's will for us to put our trust in the Word of God. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence today. We thank you for your anointing and its power to destroy every yoke of the enemy. And our prayer today is that in the next few moments that you would speak to us, Lord God, from your Word. God, that uh, we would be strengthened. We would get direction. But most of all, Lord, we want a visitation of your Spirit here today for you to minister to needs in this place. And so that people would leave here transformed and changed by the power of the Word of God and by the wonder-working power of the Spirit of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you believe it, put your hands together for the Lord right now. Praise God. Amen. Amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. When we read this passage in 2 Timothy 3.15, Paul is emphasizing how important the Word of God is and how we need to put our trust in the Word of God. He's teaching this young man, and he shows some of the benefits of the Word of God here. It says, first of all, 
that the scripture was given by inspiration of God, uh, that it's able to make you wise. So the first thing, benefit from the word of God, you guys with me right now, is that this book will make you wise. Do you believe this book can make you wise? That's what the Bible says. And this wisdom is different than knowledge because you can be knowledgeable and study a lot of books and read a lot of information and get a lot of degrees, but wisdom is different than knowledge. And the Bible says this book has the power that other books do not. Other books can give you knowledge, but this book gives you wisdom. And uh, so to know uh, about something and then live out what you know are two different things. Uh, You can know something, but you've got to learn to live it out. And wisdom is being able to live out what you know. There's a lot of knowledgeable people who make bad decisions. But the Bible gives us the power to make good decisions based on good information. It gives us this ability to give wisdom to make the right decisions in life. And Paul says you can find the wisdom to make right decisions in life in this book. If you believe that, shout amen. Praise God. Number two, it says that you make your wise unto salvation. So there's a specific direction of this wisdom. Salvation is found in the Word of God. What is salvation? It simply means saving someone from death. And the Word of God has this basic saving power. It has the power to make you wise unto salvation. Somebody say, thank you for the Word of God. And benefit three, it says it's profitable for doctrine. Doctrine simply means teaching. This book works to help teach people uh, proper life choices. Benefit number four, it says that it's good for doctrine. And then secondly, for reproof. What is reproof? Reproof is simply uh, the connotation of reproof is to make something straight. Something that is off, something that is misguided, it straightens it out. And the Bible is saying, that the, the writer Paul is saying to Timothy here is that the scriptures have the power to straighten out areas of your life that are crooked. Amen? The word of God will straighten your life out. So I'm going to tell you today, some people say, well, I'll get things together, then I'll come to church. That's not how it works because the word has the power of reproof. The word has the power to straighten out the areas of your life that are misaligned and crooked. It says it's profitable for reproof. Uh, keep verse 16 up there. For reproof and for correction. What is correction? Now, correction's not nice, but it helps you know what is wrong and right. I'm thankful now. I wasn't thankful then, but I'm thankful now for my parents' correction in my life because it showed me what was right and what was wrong. And God, through his word, has the ability to correct the areas of your life that are wrong through the Bible. Correction can can be uncomfortable, and sometimes it can be painful, but the Bible has the power, like no other book, to notify you of the wrong areas in your life. Uh, And sometimes it may not be easy to receive, but the Word of God is a mirror that reveals the areas that need correction. Thank God for that. Another benefit from the Word of God, it says uh, it's good for instruction in righteousness. Instruction in righteousness. It means that the Bible is an instruction manual and all the answers that you need are in the manual if you buy a a a washing machine uh if you buy a a gadget or a computer or a new phone uh back in the day we had to get out the instruction manual and look through because everything we needed to know about the product uh, was in the instruction manual and I, i want you to know that uh there are instructions in the bible that will make your life better Well, I'm just going to try to figure it out on my own. Good luck with that. The Bible is the instruction for righteousness. It gives you directions. Amen? Praise God. If you want to have blessed finances, if you want to have a blessed marriage, amen, if you want to learn how to raise your kids the right way, the instruction for righteousness is in the Word of God. Amen? All the instructions are in the manual. So you, can't, you don't have an excuse to say, well, I didn't know about that. The instructions in the manual. All scripture is profitable for instruction in righteousness. And then uh, benefit number seven in uh, uh, the next verse, it says, and you, uh, uh, that the man of God may be perfect. 
perfect. Now, the word perfect, we think of it, mean, it means flawless. But the word that's translated perfect here would be better translated complete. Complete. So that we are complete in Him. Amen? And so what the Bible is saying here was when we get into the Word of God, we can become complete. Uh, the answers to a fulfilling and a complete life are found in the Bible, in the Word of God. Amen? God is interested in you being a whole and a complete person. And when you get into God's Word and experience God's Word, it makes you complete. Amen? <clears throat> so He's still working on me. And, and there's more that's happening in my life. I'm not a finished product yet, but the Word is making me complete. It's taking areas out of my life that need to be taken out. It's putting things in that need to be inserted into my life. This can only happen through exposure and experience to the Word of God because this is the benefit of God's Word. Then the last thing it says is uh, the Bible, the Word of God is profitable in all of these ways to equip you as a man of God or a lady of God for every good work. So Paul is saying the Word of God gives you instructions in what to do and the how-to on what to do. So you're thoroughly equipped to do what God's called you to do. And this is what happens through the power of the Word of God. If you have your Bible, I want you to take hold of it right now. Uh, I know that many of us uh, over the years have stopped carrying a physical Bible. I remember a day when everybody in church had their Bible with them. Uh, because they had a physical Bible, and it was a significant, uh, a meaningful part of their life. And uh, I know uh, that with the digital era, we have access to the Word of God on a computer and on the phone, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that, certainly hope not, because uh, oftentimes I don't carry a physical a Bible with me. However, what I have found out is that we have so much access to so much knowledge and so much information that somehow the Word of God just kind of gets drowned out in a current era with so much of a flow of content and information to us uh, that it's just one of the other things that we can click on. But there's something special about this book. Uh, this book's more significant than any self-help book. Uh, this is more significant than any web page that gives you information by, be it Wikipedia or some health page or whatever. This is the book that's profitable for instruction of righteousness. It'll give direction to your life. And I want to tell you that 2,000 years later, what Paul was speaking to Timothy still relates to us today. Hey, get the Word of God. If you want to be thoroughly equipped to do the work of God, then you need this book because this book is good for teaching. It'll correct you. It'll make, you, make your life straight. Amen? It, it'll give you direction and wisdom that goes beyond the information that this world has. This is why this book is important. And I think it's important for us to learn to trust the Word, to once again put our confidence in the Word of God. Amen? The interesting thing about the Bible is it survived its enemies. Like no other book in history, it's withstood vicious attacks from its enemies. Many have tried to ban it, to burn it, to outlaw it through the days of history from the days of the Roman emperors even to present day nations where they are dominated by tyrants, the effort to repress and to destroy the Word of God. As early as 303 A.D., the Roman emperor Diocletian, he was before Constantine, he issued an edict to destroy Christians and to destroy every copy of their sacred book, the Bible. Uh, in a, a writing that's called All About the Bible from Sidney Collette, it says, Voltaire, the noted French infidel who died in 1778 said that in 100 years uh, from his time that Christianity would be swept from existence and passed into history. But what has happened? Voltaire has passed into history, but the circulation of the Bible continues to increase in almost all parts of the world, carrying the blessings of God with it wherever it goes. Everywhere the Bible goes, it carries God's blessings with it. And, of course, Voltaire boasted that Christianity would be extinct within 100 years, but it's pointed out that 50 years after his death... The Geneva Bible Society bought his printing press 
and his house and used it to produce stacks of Bibles. What an irony of history. And I want to tell you that there is still an attack on the Word of God today. It's more subtle. No one is trying to ban the Bible necessarily. And in Western nations, there's not an effort to eradicate it. But the attacks today are more subtle. Uh, even though it's the bestseller and translated book in all the world and it's not going anywhere, there's an occurrent attack to undermine people's confidence in the Word of God and to convince the public that it is an irrelevant book that doesn't matter anymore. In other words, that was a cool book. It's got a lot of historical influence, but you can't put your trust in the Bible. I want you to listen to this quote by uh, 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 Comedian, philosopher Bill Maher, he says, Religion to me is a bureaucracy between man and God and I don't need, that I don't need. But I'm not an atheist. No, I believe there's some force. If you want to call it God, I don't believe God is a single parent who writes books. I think the people who think God wrote a book uh, called the Bible are just childish. Religion is so childish what they're fighting about in the Middle East, it's so childish. These myths, these silly little stories that they believe in fundamentally, that they take over this little space in Jerusalem where one guy flew up to heaven. No, no, this guy performed a sacrifice here a thousand, a thousand million years ago. It's like, who cares? What does that have to do with spirituality? Uh, where you're really trying to get as a human being and as a soul moving in the universe. But I do believe in a God, yes. So the, the point, the message was, yeah, there's a spiritual force. Yeah, there may be a God, but I don't believe in the God of the Bible. And today in academia and in secular philosophy, there is a sense that the Bible is a, actually a part of society's problem, that the Bible has become a problem, that if uh, we could just get rid of the Bible and get rid of people's trust and confidence in the Word of God, then we would get rid of judgmentalism and intolerance and so forth. So the attack on the Bible today is not to obliterate it, but to undermine it, to erode or destroy human beings' trust in the Word of God. And the idea today is that if you still trust in the Bible, then you are just living in a bygone error and uh, that you are unenlightened. And even in religious or Christian circles, uh, there's been an undermining of the Word of God. There's been a, a, a prominent uh, uh, insurgence of liberal theology that questioned the reality of the virgin birth and the miracles of Scripture and the stories of the Old Testament. Uh, and so what they're saying is, yeah, we want you to go ahead and believe in God, but you can't really trust uh, the Holy Bible. Now, I want to tell you today that this attack against the Word of God is the same attack that goes back to the very original sin of Adam and Eve. Uh, Adam and Eve had the same mentality that much of the world has today. And that mentality is, uh, we believe in God, but we don't trust his word. We believe in God, but we're not sure about his word. It was a big mistake for them, and it brought big problems into their life. And I want to tell you today that if you try to believe in God, but you stop trusting in the word of God, you produce big problems in your life as well. If you want to know how much confidence God has in his word, look at uh, Acts uh, chapter 2 and uh, 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 Genesis 2.16. The Lord commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now think about this with me for a moment right now. Mankind. The first man, Adam, and his wife, Eve, is the whole purpose for creation. God sought to have fellowship and relationship with the crowning achievement of creation, which was humanity. He didn't make animals in his image. He made man in his image. And he enjoyed fellowship with man walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And in the garden was the tree of choice, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so he said, don't eat of that tree. Eat of every other tree. And uh, perhaps you've heard this in the life studies before. That if, if it was me and I knew that this prized creation that I love so much was in danger if they partook of that tree, then I would probably use some 
pretty drastic measures to protect that tree. Maybe uh, some fences like, the, like you see around the prison yards or uh, maybe a, a, a building a huge wall around the tree so that nobody could breach it. Uh, maybe a moat with uh, alligators and sharks in it uh, so that the tree was protected. But God didn't do that. Uh, he put one thing there to protect them from the damage that could come from their life. Uh, he used the word of God. He said, don't eat it. He believed, had that much confidence in the word of God that it could protect from all the harm that could come to them from partaking of it. That's how much God, confidence God has in his word. He's exalted his word. Amen? His word is exalted and he has confidence in his word. And I want to remind us today that if we want God's favor and blessing in our life, we have to have similar trust and confidence in the word of God. Adam and Eve said, I believe God, but I don't trust his word, so I'll cross that line. And lots of problems came into their life as a result of it. But I want to remind us today that God is not here with us in the flesh anymore, but he left his word. His word was made flesh and dwelt among us, but now his word is sitting in your lap, and his word has power. Amen. It is an emissary between us and God to give us information and insight. Amen. When Eve was beguiled by the serpent, what did the, the serpent say? He said, hath God said. Hath God said. Satan is the one behind the erosion of confidence in God's word. He's saying, just like uh, we said before, go ahead and believe in God, that's fine. Just question his word. Because the access to all the blessings of God Come in having confidence in the word of God. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is linked to the word of God. If you don't believe the word of God, then you can't believe the God of the word. And if you don't believe the word of God, you can't access the promises in the word of God. If your confidence in the word is eroded, then you can't tap into the resources of the word. And I want to encourage you today, amen, because I know the enemy's been attacking. He's been attacking you in your mind. He's been attacking you in your spirit. And he's been attacking universally in culture, our confidence in the word of God. But I want to remind you today that this is a book that you can stand on. You can stand upon the word of God. You can build your life, your future, and your family on the word of God. This is what this church is founded on. This is what the destiny and direction of this church is directed by and of my life and of my family as well. It's the word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Because when we question the validity and the relevance of God's word, we fall into the same trap that Adam and Eve did. Disobedience that brings separation and curses. When you look at people who question the word of God, Men like Saul, who was king of Israel, but because he didn't trust the word of God that was given to him, he lost his kingdom and lost his life. Pharaoh, who didn't trust the word of God when it came through Moses, ended up losing his oldest son. God's word can be trusted. And when you look in the word of God, the instruction manual is very specific. It gives exact dimensions of the Ark of the Covenant to it, uh, uh, it gives exact dimensions of Noah's ark before he built it. It gives exact dimensions of everything in the tabernacle. God's word is specific. And uh, now I want to tell you today that if you lack confidence in the word of God, there are two specific negative consequences. If you don't trust this book, two negative things can happen. And these two things could be characterized, I guess, by Satan's two main roles. Satan is two things. He is an excuser and he is also an accuser. Excuser and an accuser. You see both of them, both of them play out. First of all, you see him as the excuser in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. It says, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. 
For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So he questioned, first of all, whether God really said this, uh, and then he turned it into a negative and said, uh, ye shall not surely die. God's trying to keep something good from you. God knows when you eat, your eyes will be open, and God is keeping something good from you. So in other words, uh, this prohibition from God not to eat of the fruit uh, is not necessary. God is simply keeping something good from you. What was he doing? He was giving her an excuse to disobey. When you have confidence and trust in the word of God, and when you are living your life in the word of God, it eliminates the excuses to live and do whatever it is uh, that you want to do. It excused her disobedience, and her disobedience led ultimately to death. Here's what it happens is sin produces separation from God, and many people are not enjoying the relationship that they could have with God because of disobedience. This is the problem. It is a problem. I know we live in a world where they don't talk about sin anymore, even at church. But the reality is it's a problem if you excuse the choices and the decisions and the direction of your life and it ends up disconnecting you from God. When you lose confidence in the word of God, the enemy can excuse your actions. Because just like Eve said, or the serpent said to Eve, does it really matter? Did he really say that? Did he really mean that? God's not going to hold that against you. God's not going to come against you. What he was doing was excusing her behavior. And the problem was is she got to do what she wanted to do. But the result of her doing what she wanted to do was disconnection from God, sin, and ultimately death. And I want to let you know today that the enemy wants to undermine our confidence in the word of God so that we will excuse things in our life that will end up destroying our lives. God's word works. It worked back then and it works today. When there is a prohibition in the word of God, when there's something that the Bible teaches and preaches against, it's not to hold something good away from us. It's to protect us from something destructive. Did anybody believe that right now? This is, this is the foundation of the word of God. If you want to live a life that's blessed, obey the word of God. If you want to li live a life that's, uh, that, that, that's fulfilling, fall in line with the word of God. You get out of line with the word of God. You can do what you want. Uh, there's plenty of excuses out there, but you're not going to like the results that you get. Can I get an amen from somebody? I'm preaching the truth right now. Because there's, there's a way that seemeth right to man, but the end thereof is destruction. That means uh, our hearts are deceitful above all things. That means if we follow our heart, we're going to get in a mess. Amen? But, but when you start being drawn away by your own lust, when you start being drawn away by desires, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now, when you start being drawn away by these things from your own heart or from this world, it starts pulling you away from God. When you're drawn away, what are you going to do? You're going to make excuses for why. Yeah, I know that's not the best thing to do, and maybe maybe it's a little marginal, and maybe there's some, some scriptures that I'm kind of fudging on and stepping on a little bit, but you know what? God wants me to be happy. God does want you to be happy. That's why he gave you the word of God. And you, you walk down that road a little while, and you'll get to do what you want to do. But when you look back at the mayhem that's created by sin, because the pleasure is only seasonal, it's only temporary. I know this is old-fashioned, but this is the word of God. And the enemy is an excuser. He will excuse so that you can fall into a trap. You know why? Because at the end of the day, what the enemy wants is he wants your life. He wants your future. He wants your destiny destroyed. And he will excuse the word of God to open a pathway for you to live however you want and to do whatever it is that you want to do. You look at our world today. You look at a depression at a high, suicide at a high. People's lives are miserable. People's families are falling apart. You know why? Because they've excused themselves from the word of God. There's no more trust or confidence in the word of God. And it's led our world to a mess. And it'll do the same to you if you excuse your sin.
Somebody, well, the word of God's outdated. It's it's uh, several generations ago. It, it's it's an it's an old archaic book. It doesn't relate to us today. Go ahead and believe that, and go ahead and live whatever modern culture tells you is okay, and watch your life be ravaged by sin. Because the word of God is not made up by a bunch of Jewish men several years ago. It is the word of God, and if you'll put your trust in it, if you'll believe in it, it'll bring favor and blessing into your life. Because the enemy is an excuser from the very beginning. He's going to question half God said oh come on I feel the Holy Ghost here right now you know what we need we need a revival of old fashioned conviction that gets a hold of our hearts it says above all else I want to be in line with this book right here I don't care what Pastor X or Pastor Y says. I don't care what this person in my life believes. I don't care what culture and society says. I don't care what they're doing on the situation comedies. What does the Word of God say? And that's the pattern for my life. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I know our culture has veered away from a commitment to the Word of God and submission to the Word. It's veered drastically away from it. But you know what? They're the world. That's what they're supposed to do. Problem is when the church starts doing that, when the church starts excusing things, when we start excusing things in our life as believers, that's what creates some problems because the church is supposed to be the example, just like Timothy, amen, saying this word is inspired by God. It's profitable for doctrine. It's usable for instruction. It'll give wisdom for you to, towards salvation. It'll bring blessing and favor to your life, Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And many people are not enjoying a relationship with God because of disobedience. It's created distance between them and God. It all boils down to this. They didn't trust the word of God. And as a result, they're living below their privileges. They're living below the potential that God has for them. In order to be saved, you must trust the word of God because it's wisdom unto salvation. Satan, the accuser of the brethren is an excuser, first of all, to get you to disobey. And then the excuser turns around and becomes the accuser. Revelation 12 and 10 said, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. But they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. I want to tell you, you can't overcome the accuser by performing better. You can overcome the accuser through the blood of the lamb and say, you know what? That may be true about me. I may have had those mistakes and those failures and those shortcomings, but guess what? You say something about me, but the word of God says something completely different about me. And I am planted, amen, on the word of God. I am standing on the word of God. And it's his blood that has cleansed me, his blood that has washed me, his blood that has made me a new creature, amen. I don't remember all the lyrics of that song, but it talked about being finally in the presence of God, clothed in nothing but his righteousness. Wasn't that the words? Clothed in nothing but the righteousness of God. We overcome the accuser through the blood of the lamb. We overcome the accuser through what Jesus did because the excuser is also the accuser. He'll make excuses to get you in a trap, and then he'll turn around and make that trap permanent by becoming an accuser of the brethren. But if you have confidence in the word of God, if you know what God has to say about you rather than what the enemy has to say about you, if you put confidence in what God has to say about you, the accuser doesn't work again. You. Amen. And, and one thing that's sad is there's a lot of people who let the words of the outsider, the words of other people, or the words of the enemy himself through negative messages define them instead of trusting the word of God to define them. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9 says, No eye hath seen, nor ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love God. Him. I have not seen. Ear hasn't heard. It hasn't even entered into the heart of man. The things which God hath prepared for them that love him. 
When I read this scripture when I was a boy, I thought this was talking about how awesome heaven was going to be. That heaven's going to be so awesome that we can't even imagine what God has prepared for us in heaven. But I study the word of God and I realize uh, this may be talking about heaven, but it's not just talking about heaven. It's talking about the things that God has prepared for you here on this earth that he wants to do in you and through you. You Listen to me right now. You can't imagine why God saved you. You can't imagine what God has planned for you. You can stretch your imagination as far as you want to. I have not seen, ear hath not heard what the Lord has prepared for them that love him. God has good things. Come on. God has good things in store for you. When Adam and Eve sinned, when they realized that they had made a mistake, what did they do? The Bible says that they hid themselves. They realized they were naked and ashamed. And I'm going to tell you that the accuser, his goal is to keep you from getting to the one who can help you. Once you get off track, once you make a mistake, the accuser of the brethren's goal to keep you from getting to the one that can help you. Amen? God went looking for Adam. Genesis 3, 9. The Lord called unto Adam and said, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. And uh, he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? But I want you to notice this here, that he, he hid. He was afraid. He was ashamed. He said, I was naked. And the Lord said to Adam, who told you that you were naked? Who gave you that negative perception of you? Who, who gave you those negative words? Who have you been talking to? Isn't it amazing or isn't it crazy, I guess you'd say, that we will trust other people's words, but we lack trust in the word of God. They didn't have enough confidence in the word of God, but they were willing to trust whoever it is that they were, that, that was talking to them. And I want to tell you today, God has great things prepared for you. Who, who was it that told you that God was finished with you? Who, who told you to let go of your dreams? Who, who told you that you wouldn't get the promises God had given to you? Who was it that told you you weren't going to get that promotion or you weren't going to get that job? Who was it that told you you weren't going to get married? Who, who said you would never end up being in management? I want to tell you today that God's gifts and callings are irrevocable. That means there's no repentance. If God spoke it to you, if God declared it over your life, it doesn't matter what other people say, but you've got to trust the Word of God instead of what other people are saying. I stand upon the word of God. I'm not going to listen to the excuser, and I'm not going to listen to the accuser either. My life is built on the word of God. My, my life is defined by the word of God. God has plans for me, and I refuse to let the enemy accuse me because of my shortcomings and failures and struggles and weaknesses into giving up. I'm not talking to him anymore. Amen. Who told you? Amen. God will never take back the potential he poured into you. Amen. Praise God. And we, sometimes we think about all the things that we don't have. Don't have education. Don't have enough talent. Don't have the discipline. I'll never break this addiction. I'll never accomplish my dreams. Amen. And uh, sometimes we can get stuck in a rut with our attitude about our career. Attitude about our marriage other people's opinions begin to matter. But the, the question is, is, who told you? Listen to what the Word of God has to say about your situation. If you're reading and studying and inculcating yourself into the Word of God, then you're going to have a different philosophy, amen, a different mindset. Uh, I don't know, maybe last Sunday's sermon and this Sunday's sermon goes together because if His praise is ever on your lips, uh, if His praise is ever on your lips, you're more mindful of Him about you. One of the songs we sing here at church says, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us become more aware of it. Amen? 
That's what happens when his praise is ever on your lips. And when you're living a life that's confidence and trust of the word of God, you're going to see God's hand working in your behalf. And you're going to see the world from a different perspective when you're living in the word of the Lord. Amen? Praise God. And uh, you may not feel like you can accomplish your dreams. You may not feel like you can get beyond whatever it is that's holding you back. I want to remind you that you have the promise of God on your life that he's spoken things over you. Instead of trusting what other people have said or what you've thought, put your confidence in the word of God. God's deposited it in you already. Amen? Amen? God told Moses to go before Pharaoh. He said, I can't do it. I'm slow of speech. I'm not a good talker. God says, hey, Moses, who gave you your tongue? I already gave it to you. Gideon says, when God says, thou mighty man of valor, Gideon says, can't be talking about me. God knew what he had put into Gideon that was lying dormant. And God knows what he put in you. That's why he spoke promises over your life. That's why he declared it. But if you would trust the word of God instead of listening to what other people are saying or what these outside voices or what the enemy's trying to convince you of, don't let the size of your dream or the vastness of God's calling on your life intimidate you. If God said it, believe it. Even if you've suffered rejection, even if you've gone through disappointment, don't get discouraged and determined to settle where you are. Keep moving forward because I trust the word of God. Man, I trust this book right here. I trust what God says about me. I, I trust what the word of God says to me. It doesn't matter what life has thrown at me. This is where I put my confidence. Amen. Put your hands together and praise the Lord right now. You know, sometimes we, we lose confidence in God's word when God closes a door. God closes the door. But you know what? God opens doors, but he also closes doors. And sometimes the only way he can get us through the best door is to close a good door. You hear me right now? Now trust him. Trust the word of God. The steps of a good man are ordered to the Lord. What did you say, Brother Geddes? The end is better than the beginning, the end of the thing. That God's fighting for you. That he will never leave you nor forsake you. That he'll be with you all the way to the end. And when I come slap into a closed door, rather than getting discouraged and losing confidence in the word of God, it's like I'm like, well, okay, God, this is not the door for me. That's because you have a better door. I wish somebody would get this right now. When God closes a door, it's because uh, he wants to get you through a better door. He has something better in store. And when one door closes, if you'll keep the right attitude, God will open another door. But you can't afford to give up. You can't afford to quit going forward. You can't afford to quit dreaming. You can't afford to stop listening to the other voices because God's standing before you right now and he's trying to shake it into your spirit. He's saying, who told you it's not going to happen anymore? Who told you that my promises are bereft from your life? Who told you that that's the end of the story? Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord right now. Too often we allow adversities and disappointments and setbacks to deter us. Soon we're not pressing forward anymore, stretching or believing that we'll rise any higher in life. I want to tell you, the enemy knows there's something inside of you. And he wants to keep the seeds of that promise from taking root. That's why you're going through what you're going through. This is a, this is a cosmic battle between good and evil. Between God's plan and Satan's plan. And God puts something in you. And the enemy doesn't want you to realize the power of what's in you. It's not about you. It's about the treasure that's in earthen vessels. God put a treasure in you. And what you know what he said? It's time for you to stir up the gift that was put in you by the laying on of hands. Praise God. To stir. That's what I'm doing today. With this word right now is to stir up the gift that's put in you. God has promises over your life. His word is true. And if you will trust the word and say, you know what? I may have made some mistakes. I may have faced some adversity. I may have gone through some detours. I may have gone through some struggles. But the promises are still there. It's still in me. And I choose to stir up the gift that was put in me by the laying on of hands. Stir up the gift that was in me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Stir up your gifts, the dreams, the talents, the desires. Quit grieving over what you've lost. Let it go. This is a new day. Understand that in life we'll always have forces opposing us. I love this. I heard this speech. My daughter, um, my uh, oldest daughter, Cambria, and Brooklyn and I just drove 36 straight hours. Well, we did stop to sleep, but from uh, Indiana here to California, got in last night at 9 p.m. And uh, some people like to listen to music. Cambria likes to listen to old presidential speeches. That's her jam, I guess. So we were listening to a different speech. One of them came up with JFK. And JFK said, we will go to the moon. Not because it's easy, but because it's hard. Because there's something about this challenge that says this has got to be done. I love that attitude. That says we're going to do what God called us to do. Not because it's going to be easy. Not because somebody's going to lay a bed of roses out in front of us but because it's hard, but we're going through it. Amen? You think think it's going to be easy to move a church into revival, to take a church and move it into a new region and see God establish a new... You think this is going to be an easy pathway for life, church? You think it's going to be an easy pathway for you when God lays out a ministry in front of you? But I want to tell you, you got to get it in your spirit that I'm going to trust the Word of God. I'm going to trust the promise He put in my gut. And it doesn't matter what I have to go through. And it doesn't matter what I face. It doesn't matter what outside voices will say. It doesn't matter what even my own mind will create against me. I don't trust my heart, but I trust the Word. I don't trust my feelings, but I trust the Word of God because this Word will get me through. Amen. Let's stand to our feet right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are fierce forces that oppose you, trying to keep you from becoming what God intended for you to be. The enemy wants you to give up on your dreams. The enemy knows uh, that there are, you know what, there's some powerful soul winners in this church right now that don't even know it yet. People that are going to be used of God don't even realize it yet. God wants to restore you and encourage you. He wants to fill you with hope and resurrect your dreams. That's why the enemy's trying to keep your gifts and talents and creativity and your joy in prison. Because he knows that when you trust the word of God, you access the power of God. Woo-hoo. you trust the word of God you access the power of God power for healing of your physical body you don't trust the word it's not available for you you put your confidence in the word it's there forgiveness from your sins if you don't trust the word you think God's going to hold against you the rest of your life God's mad at you God's finished with you you listen to outside voices but the Bible says when you repent he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins if you trust the word of God you can access repentance and forgiveness of sins right now and restoration and renewal deliverance the enemy thinks you're tr- the, the enemy has you convinced that you're trapped in self-defeating habits addictions but there is deliverance through the blood of the lamb that has the power to destroy every yoke I don't mean break it. I mean decimate every yoke of the enemy. Amen. That's if you have confidence in the word of God. If you have confidence in the word of God, you know where your help comes from. You know where your provision comes from. You don't worry about lack because you have trust and confidence in the word of the Lord. Your steps are ordered by God. Guess what? God's in control. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I want to trust the Word of God right now. Close your eyes for a moment. We're going to respond to the Word right here for a few moments. Because the enemy wants you disconnected from God, first and foremost. But if you can't accomplish that, he at least wants your effectiveness undermined and compromised. Because of those two very obvious and clear objectives he's done everything that he can and he's constantly doing everything he can 
to undermine your trust in what God's word says about you and to you. But right now, amen. If you have a Bible, I want you to take hold of it. If you, if you can grab your phone, that represents the Bible for you right now. If your phone's on there, just grab a hold of it. <laughs> take a hold of it. The world's trying to tell you this is your problem. Jesus says this is what's going to get you through. This is what's going to open up the resources of heaven. This is what's going to provide for you everything that you need. Hallelujah. Jesus, I trust your word. I trust that your word is forever settled in heaven. Lord Jesus, your word says of itself that the flower fades, the grass withers, but the word of God will stand forever. God, there is one thing on which I place my feet. I build and plant my life on the word of God. Whatever it is that the enemy's been trying to convince you of, to get you to settle, to get you to give up, to cause you to believe that it's all over and done for. In Jesus' name right now, I want you just to reject that. Because Jesus, I believe the Spirit of the Lord's walking in here just like God walked with Adam. And right now, he's trying to get in your business and said, who told you that? Who have you been listening to? You're discouraged right now? Well, somebody's been talking to you, and it's not me. You're feeling like giving up. You feel like it's impossible. Who have you been listening to? What voices uh, have you allowed into your spirit right now? But listen to the word of God. The word of God says you can be restored, renewed, empowered in the Holy Ghost. Uh, you can have it happen in Jesus' name in this place right now. In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want you to reach over to that person near you if appropriate. Take them by the hand or, or touch them on the, on the shoulder as appropriate right now. And let's begin to pray with one another. Spirit of God, move in this place right now. We pray that everything that the enemy has created to try and undermine God's purpose in my brother's life. Come on, pray it right now. Everything that Satan has tried to do to get them discouraged, to get them to give up, and to get them to feel like they've reached the end. I pray in Jesus' name that every lie of the enemy would be silenced and that the word of God would begin to thunder in their spirit. Come on, pray for them right now. Say that. God, let your word thunder in their spirit again. God, let their hearts be open to the word of God. Let their spirits be open to what you have to say. Just like you said to Gideon, get in you mighty man of valor in Jesus name I pray that their spirits would open up to the word of God that their hearts would open up to the promises of God in Jesus name come on that's it speak it over their life let them speak it over your life receive it as they declare it right now in Jesus name God I, I, I release again promises in their life nothing new I'm just stirring up what's already been there come on in Jesus name I pray right now prophetically with your voice right now say God I stir up the promises that are in this life I stir up the gifts that are in this life in the name of Jesus by faith right now I pray that you would stir up every promise that you've declared every good work that was started everything that the enemy wants to destroy stir it up right now hallelujah